The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. We are so thankful. There's not enough words. For the rest of our lives, we will tell people how wonderful you are and how awesome you are. Let every ear be anointed to hear your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to read a scripture from the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read it's verse 22. It says, Ye men of Israel, we hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. In the Amplified, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited, appointed, and pointed out and shown forth, commended and ex uh, attested to you by God in the mighty works, the power of performing wonders and signs which God worked through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. I want to continue from last week. We talked about the God of miracles, and I want to do the God of miracles part two, the reason being that if you don't know how to believe God for miracles, you will not be able to handle the next five, six years. Because of the nature of what is being implemented. Artificial intelligence is taking over to where even now Elon Musk just said that there will be no jobs available if they can have their way, AI will take over everything. AI technology is now producing and making people on the internet that do not exist. They'll talk to you, they'll sell you product. It's something that's generated by a computer. If you don't have the Holy Spirit's leading, you won't know what's real and what's fake. So this thing is going to go to warp factor one, if I could use that terminology, just in the next six years. Without divine intervention and without miracles, you will worship the Antichrist and his whole system. But I believe, as I preach from this pulpit all the time, this is not the hour of the Antichrist, this is the hour of the body of Christ, and we're going to see the hand of God, and we're going to see multiplication, and we are the irritation for the Antichrist system. That's why the church has to be caught up before the devil can do what he wants to do. He's not going to do what he wants to do. He's not going to do what he wants to do in Latvia. He's not going to do what he wants to do in the Ukraine, even in the former Soviet Union, and he's definitely not going to do what he wants to do in America because we are here. And he can't do what he wants to do while we are here. Can you say amen? 
So God, sovereign as he is, chooses to use man. God sovereignly chooses to use man, which again, I would not choose man. I would tell him, Lord, as you know, the track record of using man is one of frustration because man always messes everything up. Don't you want to just send an angel down, send somebody else? You know, of course, Jesus already came, so I'm going to get to that in a moment here. And then, of course, Jesus comes to live on the inside of us, and he wants to then use us. So God wants to use mortal man, which I think personally is a bad idea. But I'm not going to argue with God. Can you say amen? But there's a reason. You say, well, why would God do something like that? I'm glad you asked the question. Take your Bibles now and go with me to 1 Corinthians. And we'll go to chapter 2. Well, let's, well, let's do chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's go to verse 18. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but to us which are saved is the power of God. Everybody say the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews, a stumbling block, under the Greeks, foolishness. But under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now somebody said, why would they even use that terminology? Because the foolishness of God will be taking a man and using that man. And God says in taking that man and using that man, it's still wiser than the wisest of the people out there. He says, but you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world why? To confound the wise. So God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are so that no flesh should glory in his presence. So at the end of the day, who did it? God did it. Did he use people? Yes. But no one can glory and say, look what I did. Because you were a vessel that he used. But it's him who gets the glory and the praise and the honor. And then God taking your vessel just wreaks total havoc with all the people that are wise. They go, I can't believe that the Lord would use somebody that dumb. I can't believe the Lord would use that person. You know, I grew up with them. We went to school together. I can't believe the Lord's using that person. Did you see what that person just did? Wow. 
That has to be God, because I know them personally. So no flesh should glory in his presence. So it says here, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Which, that's what we do. Just give him praise. Give him glory. On the plane that we were this last week, we had two pilots and a stewardess, and she was watching because I've always prayed as we taxing, I'd say, Father, thank you. We commandeer this vehicle for the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. I pray the anointing upon the pilots. I pray the anointing upon everything mechanical, electrical, all the computerization, the aircraft, the hydraulics, the fuel lines. Thank you that this aircraft will fly the way it was created to fly. Lord, you said that if we delight ourselves in you, you cause us to ride upon the high places of the earth. And thank you that we delight ourselves in you and you allow us to do this. We also know that not many people are able to do it, but you have ordained that we travel and carry this glorious gospel and we're moving as swift as an eagle and your hand is upon us and I just pray, you know, I mean, I pray up a storm while they're texting and, and, we, and the whole team, everybody will be raising their hand. And so uh, as we were coming out of the last place, the stewardess, she normally sits up between the pilots. Somebody wanted to sit there as, at the takeoff, so she sat on the, on the bench. So all our hands are raised. She raises her hand as she starts to pray. And she was so happy. I mean, she got up, you know, I gave her one of my books. She was so excited. She said, I now have a, I have a church to come to in Tampa when I'm, when I'm in Tampa, you know. But she, she told, because even from the first flight, she said, you people are so wonderful. Because I, 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 mean, I can't imagine what she has to treat on flight. And then there was an incident on the plane when I went back to use the restroom and I flushed the toilet and it wouldn't stop flushing and it was blocked. So I had to stick my hand into the toilet that had every kind of thing in it and I had to unblock it and wash my hand. And I went out and I said, you know, the toilet was blocked. My hand was all wet up there. She said, oh, no, that's terrible. You had to do that. I said, yeah. I, I said, I couldn't call you. She said, I would have. I said, I couldn't. The thing would have flooded the whole bathroom. I had to do it right there. So she was kept apologizing to me. I said, lady, listen, once you've had kids and grandkids, nothing bothers you. Everything is fine. You know, you know, I said it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it sometimes. Now, when you go to chapter two of Second Corinthians, I want you to I want you to read this because I want you to understand why I'm speaking on the power of God and the God of miracles. Because if you think America is going to be shaken by some weak message or just we just tell people about Jesus, there has to be a demonstration of the power of God. Look here. Verse 1. I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said here, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? So that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Too many people in America, their faith is in the wisdom of men. That's why when man said, shut the church down, they said, fine. Because the wise people said to shut the church down. The wise people told people to wear a mask. 
people injecting themselves with fluid. They don't even know what they're injecting themselves with and then wear a mask because they're afraid to breathe. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Hello. He says, I'm destroying the wisdom of the wise. A church that's moving in power, a church that knows the God of miracles, a church that's seeing signs and wonders on a daily basis in the everyday life is a church that destroys the wisdom of the wise. A church that does these things brings the understanding of the prudent to nothing. And then you see, God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise, the foolish things to confound the mighty, the base things, the things that are, de are despised to bring to nothing the things that are. If you saw how we get attacked, it doesn't stop. But when you see the results and you hear the testimonies, uh, we were just in one city, uh, uh, the last one, in the, in, uh, in the, in the, in the wherever, Crawfordsville, Indiana, in the cornfield. I walked back into the tent and a guy came to me and said, let me tell you right now. He said, you were at a meeting back in the 90s and he said, you were praying for people to have children. And he said, there was a couple that came forward. There were four ushers and you told the four ushers, you guys, better make sure you want to have children. If you don't want to have children, you better sit down. Because if I pray for them and you catch them, you're going to have children. He said, they all stood there. He said, all four couples had children within a year. He said, I'm just telling you, all four children had couples within a year. Somebody said, what was that? It was the power of God. It was the power of God. I mean, you walk around like I do and talk to people. They come and tell you some of the miracles. A lady came to me, she said, in 1996, and of course, she introduced me to her husband. He's a Methodist preacher from some little town in Illinois. She came to the meeting, and she said, you pointed me. She said, I had, nothing. I had no joy, Pastor. She said, I love Jesus, but I had no joy. And she said, I thought everybody was crazy, but you pointed me. And she said, somebody was making a very loud noise. And then I realized it was me. And she said, I was in the floor. She said, they carried me out. And her husband, he looked at me. He said, I just want to tell you, that was 96. He said, the Lord has carried us all these years till now because of what took place back in that meeting in, in February of 1996. It's the power of God that will supernaturally deliver people. What's going to turn America around? It's the power of God. What turned you around from being homeless, living under a bridge? Huh? It was the power of God that delivered you. And now over 9,000 people have come to know Jesus because the power of God delivered you. It's the power of God that will deliver every single person under the sound of my voice. And those that are watching my way of television. Somebody said, well, what if they uh, attack us? What if they lie about us? They lied about Jesus. They lied about him. So you're in good company when people attack you and revile you.
But I'm not telling you to go around looking for that. Just, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Go out there, do exactly what he tells you to do, and watch what's going to take place. Can you say amen? So I love this. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words and man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. This week, you're going to be demonstrating the spirit and the power of God in your daily life. That's going to grab a hold of people. And their faith is not going to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church in this hour cannot have their faith established on wise men of the flesh. It has to be established on the Word of God. The Word of God has to be your full foundation. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to run through, I'm going to give you a few things here because people say, well, what is this, this, this God of miracles? What is this power when he said, my preaching, my teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. What is this power that's made available to us? What does this power furnish? Well, First of all, you carry within you the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it's explosive. That's why Jesus told them, go tarry in Jerusalem. You shall receive power. You shall receive dunamis. You shall receive dynamite, explosive power. The power of the gospel is explosive. It's explosive. Listen to the testimony today for the married couple with a future looked totally bleak, with a future looked like there was going to have to be a separation, with a future looked like you would be just a single mom with two kids. But look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. And because of your testimony, many other couples are going to be touched. And their lives are going to be turned around. Because remember, they told you it was impossible. They said, it's impossible. You're going to have to live like that. The wise people told you. The educated ones, the professors, the the PhDs said. But they were wrong. Because Jesus said, watch what I'm going to do with him. I'm going to flip him around. His whole life is going to change. And that's the power of the gospel. We don't serve a dead God. So power of the gospel, transforming lives. You can write this down. The power of the cross, which is why we'll close the service out with communion today because it's the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for many people in certain religions, they come to the cross. It stays at the cross. It stops at the cross. But we don't. We go into the resurrection. We come into that place of resurrection and we come into that place of that upper room where that resurrected life can come on the inside of us. So it's the power of the cross, the power of his body, the power of his blood, and then the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. If it quickens your mortal body, it will quicken the lives of others round about you. This week, you're going to be used of God to be a quickening, quickening. Somebody said, there's a quickening about to happen here. Why? Because 
Holy Ghost people are coming their way. Can you say amen? amen? So the power of the cross, the body, the blood, the resurrection, the power of Pentecost, which I've already mentioned, the baptism and the Holy Ghost, which I know there's a lot of people in certain realms, they think that we make an idol of the baptism and the Holy Ghost. But we don't make an idol of it. We just want everybody to have it. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Why is it? It's always the ones that don't have it that think we make an idol out of it. Think about that. If people think that everything that's supernatural that's happening is the devil, then where is God? Amen. Let's call for him. God, are you anywhere in America? Because they say, if there's a, any outpouring of the Spirit of God, they, they want to say, well, the devil's doing that. The devil is not that stupid that he's going to go around and heal marriages and set people free that were living under bridges. Are you with me? I mean, you're not that stupid. If you want to see the devil's working, go look at Hollywood. Go look at the movies. Go look at the music industry. Go look at what's taking place in the lives of the politicians. You'll see the handiwork of the devil. Strife and confusion, lust, greed, covetousness, murder, adultery, fornication. You'll see everything manifest. That's the work of the devil. But if you want to come around the church, you're going to see the righteous. You're going to see the ones whose marriage have been healed, whose children are serving God, God will bring them out and set them free. And you've got something to shout about. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We've got something to shout about. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. And then this is what really frightens them. The power of prayer. The ability to pray. And when we pray, we actually get answers to our prayer. It always amuses me when I hear people say, oh, I don't know what we're going to do now. I said, what do you mean? We need a miracle. And then you, it's almost like you must react, oh, no, we, we're going to have to resort to that? That's bad. We, it's come to that. Somebody said, how's it going? I'll tell you, it's really bad. We really need a miracle right now. <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you talking about? That's why we pray. Somebody said, not another miracle. I tell you people at the river, you just live for miracle, miracle, miracle. Yeah, and we just see miracles and miracles and miracles. You can see miracles or you can see calamity, calamity, calamity. That's why they call you Calamity Jane. Your attitude needs to be, if anyone's going to see the God of miracles, it's me. Amen. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are open 
over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God actually hears me when I pray. Somebody said, we need a miracle. Excuse me while I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The power of prayer. Isn't it amazing? You go... <laughs> He's okay. He's going to be fine. <laughs> He's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. Yeah, he's thanking the Lord back here. So when there's a problem, you know, people come to us with problems, I say, well, let's pray. Why are you praying? Because we're expecting results. And we believe for them instantaneously. Somebody said, well, do they all happen always instantaneously? No, not always instantaneously, but they always do happen, and God comes through, and the Lord speaks to you, and the Lord will give you peace, you know, said, I'm with you. Can you say amen? amen. The power of prayer. Now, <laughs> Lord, don't kill him, just bless him. The power of prayer, because for us, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that heavenly language that he gives you, that when you don't know how to pray as you ought, you can pray in the Spirit. Somebody said, what am I praying? You're praying the perfect will of God over the situation, over the circumstance. I tell you, the power of God is falling all across this field. In people's homes right now, there's people the Lord is setting free. Just like he's touching this gentleman back over here, he's touching you right in your home. That thing is broken today. It's broken off of your life today. That thing that plagues you is broken today. Today he sets you free. Now, you might ask the question, why does the power of God need to be on display? To get the world's attention. What does the world see? The world just sees corruption. It sees riots and looting and 
pillaging and killings and murders. The only thing to counteract all of this is the power of God on display. And that's what happened in the first great awakening in America in the 1700s and the 1800s that flipped America around. Don't think that we are that far away. Somebody said, America's too far gone. I'm telling you, it's not. We've just been in six cities. They ain't too far gone. There's a group in every place. They are radical. They're on fire for God. And God's about to flip this whole thing. I'm telling you right now, you better get ready for what's about to happen. Pastor Ray came to me Friday night. He said, Pastor, I just had a revelation of what we're doing. He said, we really are lighting fires for the next great awakening. I said, yes, that's what's happening. When you go into a place, and the place is packed. Yeah, we didn't go into major cities. You're in a church that seats 700 or actually seats 400. You have 400 in the building, 300 outside in overflow, and they've driven five-hour radius to come. Everyone that catches fire goes back and carries that fire with them. And that happened in all six cities. Are you with me? Somebody said, why do you keep going to all these cities? Lighting fires. Because I know what the enemy is doing, but we're getting ahead of the enemy, so he will not be able to do what he wants to do. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Just tell him he's failed. He's failed hopelessly. Because the power of God will be on display to lost and dying world, in the schools, in the universities, in the places of government, in the streets. You know, I tell the story every night, wherever we are, when we mobilize the people for the harvest of souls, I tell the story of the soul winner that went into an assisted living home. And she went by, and there was a woman, 83 years of age, lying in a fetal position, curled up on, on a gurney. She said it wasn't a bed. It, it was the next step, you know, on the way to the grave. You know, amazing how they change your beds. And she was lying there, and she was groaning. She was making this sound. <sighs> and so the... Soul winner said to the nurse, can I pray with her? Can I talk to her? And the nurse said, no, I'm her nurse. She has not spoken in two weeks. She hasn't even eaten in two weeks. In actual fact, she'd be dead in the next hour. But the soul winner was relentless and said, listen, please, I really have to talk to her. Please, can I talk to her? Please, can I pray with her? The nurse said, no, I'm going to tell you again. I am a nurse. She has not spoken to me in two weeks. She has not eaten. She doesn't even drink water. She'll be dead in the next hour. The soul winner was relentless. Please. Now you starting to cross the line where you're either going to have that call for security, have you removed. She didn't care. Please, I'm asking you, please let me speak. So the nurse said, okay, go ahead. Yeah, basically like irritated just to get the woman off her back. Go ahead. But you know, basically she's not going to respond to you. The soul winner went in there and shook her because we tell people, shake them and wake them. They're not sleeping because they, they, they're tired. They're dying. And she shook the lady. And as she shook the lady, the, the lady was groaning. <sighs> and as she shook her, the lady looked up straight in her eyes. And the lady says to her, the lady didn't know who she was. The lady says, my soul is lost. My soul is lost. So now that tells you why she's been groaning for two weeks. 
because she knew she was dying and there was no one to help her. But the soul winner looked at her and said, your soul won't be lost anymore and prayed with her to accept Jesus. Two minutes after the prayer, the woman was gone. She died. She was rescued right from the pits of hell two minutes before she died. So because I, every, everything I see is in pictures, I can just imagine the demons showing up empty-handed. They've been working on this woman for 83 years. They had her in the bag. All they had to do was go collect her, and they show up, and the, and the devil looks at the demons and goes, where is she? And they go, we had her. We had her in our clutches. But those people went to that Holy Ghost and fire meeting, and they were told to go tell people about Jesus, and they were given that script. Oh, no, not the script. Yes, the script. And we thought we had her, but they snatched her at the last second. You idiots. I will assign you to the United States Congress. And now you got demons running. I can't believe I'm now inside of a president and I'm inside of a congressman and a senator. This is the worst thing that could happen to me. <laughs> Sorry, I see everything in pictures. I can't help it. That's what I saw. It's funny. And the demons don't care. They jump into Republicans and Democrats. They don't care. They're just looking for a donkey. The power, the power of the God of miracles is available for the church in this hour. And that power is yours to dispense this week. Say this off to me. I am a dispenser of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the God of miracles, signs and wonders. That's why we'll never bow. We'll never bow. What do we tell our father? Well, Lord, I had to. They told me if, they didn't, if I didn't, they'd kill me. And he's going to say, and? Oh, son, you made a wise decision. What do you tell Stephen? What do you tell all the others? Someone says, yeah, but that's just in the Bible. But that's the book. I'll tell you this one story, and then we're going to pray. Americans made it out to the eastern part of the former Soviet Union. 
I believe they flew into a place called Vladivostok. They were American missionaries. They went in a place for two weeks to go and preach. They arrived in there, and uh, in two weeks, they led people to Jesus. Many people came to know him as the Lord and Savior. And when they left, they left them the Gospel of John with the Book of Acts. Those were only two books. They had a little testament in their language. And then they left. Two years later, they came back, and there was a young lady, I believe she was 23, and she was the pastor of a thousand-member church. She had her arm that was broken, black eye and everything, and they said she just got out of prison. They, she'd been in prison many times. They beat her, broke her arm, tortured her, you know, and she's just happy. You know, she's the pastor of the church. And so the Americans, I don't think they were Pentecostal. I think they were probably Baptists, you know, so they were there. They said, oh, we're so sorry. This is terrible what's happened to you. How terrible this is. Your arm broken, black eye. They beat you. Oh, well, I've been in prison many times the last two years. And they said, we're so sorry. She said, what are you talking about? Well, they, they beat you. She said, it's in the book. You left. You left me the book and told, told me that they were all beaten, thrown in prison. I was so happy when I read it, so it didn't bother me. I'm so happy because it left, it was in the book. You left me. So in the, in the understanding of the wise and the prudent of the world, it was a terrible thing. But to her, they just read the plain gospel. That's why when, when I got arrested and went to prison, and I was only there for 40 minutes. But nonetheless, I went to prison. There were ministers. Oh, how embarrassing that you went to prison. Well, then it was embarrassing for every one of the apostles, for every one of the disciples, including Jesus who got arrested. How many of you on this field today have ever been arrested at one time? Raise your hand. Wave your hand. Look here. Who has ever got a mug shot at one time? Wave your hand. So, there's some of you that are lying now. You're lying. Okay. So, why am I saying this? Because in some cases, you were arrested for stupid things and for things that were not eternal things. It's one thing to get arrested because you are a criminal or you're stealing something. It's another thing to get arrested because you're standing up for truth. So if you could be arrested for what was your own naughtiness, then surely it doesn't matter if you got arrested for the cause of the gospel. And we are going to see this thing. It's going to heat up. I told you this already at the conference that we had, that persecution is going to intensify, but the greater manifestation of the power of God is going to intensify as well. And so there's going to be showdowns. It's going to be like a showdown with the prophets of Baal, and we're going to see the hand of God, and we're going to see America shaken by the mighty hand of God, and God's going to use you. God's going to use ordinary people to see these things come to pass. From the littlest child to the oldest saint, and you're going to be used of God. And you're going to have the greatest fun in your life. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.
I want everybody to bow your heads if you would. Two things are going to happen. I'm going to give the call for people that want to surrender, and then we will receive communion together because that's how we keep everybody safe. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you that are watching by way of television, I'm going to include you in this. If you've come here today and you say, Pastor, I've never, ever given my life to Jesus. But today, I feel the Lord is calling me. Today, I want to surrender my life to him. I want to ask everyone the question, what would happen if today was your last day on the earth? You went home from this place, you put your head on your pillow tonight, in the middle of the night you passed. Where would you find yourself? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stain. Today, the Lord calls you. He says, come. Would you surrender your life to him today? You might never have another opportunity. This very day, your life could be required of you. You've heard the testimonies today of lives that have changed. Will you let the Lord change your life? He loves you. He stands with arms right open. He says, come unto me, all you that labor in the heaven laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you now. Will you say, yes, Lord Jesus? I surrender. You cannot buy this and you cannot earn this. It's free. You just have to humble yourself and open your heart to receive it. Maybe you're here today. You say, Pastor, I gave my life to Jesus years ago, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. I've allowed the things of the world to come in. I've lost my first love. I've lost that, lost that peace, that joy that I once had. But today I want to come back. I want that joy of my salvation restored to me. I want that stony heart to be taken out of me. As I always tell people, sometimes it's those hidden things. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust. The hidden things that clog the heart of man. Your wife doesn't know. Your husband doesn't know. Your friends don't know. But you know. Something that you struggle with and you battle with. Maybe something outward that all can see. And that's what makes it even worse. Because you say, well, what's the use? Everybody knows how bad I am. But today you say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be free today. Today I'm going to leave everything. This is going to be the greatest Thanksgiving that I've ever had because that thing that's been plaguing me will be broken off of my life. Jesus says, come. Maybe it's not hidden or outward as we describe. Maybe a storm came against your life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world. But the Lord says, come. And then lastly, maybe you hear and you say, Pastor, I do love the Lord, but
but I'm not sure. I don't have the assurance that I'm a child of God, and I want to have that assurance. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. If this is you, right where you are, if you fit into any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Remember this, when God looks at people's hearts, he does not look on the outside. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter where you live, what your social standing in life is, or how much money you have or don't have. It's got nothing to do with it. It looks at your heart. And then for those in the church world, he looks at the temperature. You're either hot, lukewarm, or cold. He doesn't want you to be lukewarm. This is the time to be radically on fire for Jesus. If you fit into any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Right across this field, if you want me to include you in the prayer and pray for you, quickly put your hand up and say, pray for me. All across this field right now, hands are going up. Just put them up high and say, yes. I want you to put your hands down now, please. If you look at me right now, over on this side here, which will be the west side of the pavilion, you did not raise your hand but want to be included in the prayer. Quickly, put your hand up and say, I didn't raise him, but I want to be included. Thank you, thank you, yes. This middle section, you didn't raise your hand but want to be included. Quickly, put your hand up right now say, include me. Thank you, thank you. All the way to the back, thank you. I was five years old when I raised my hands. This section over here, which would be considered the east side of the pavilion, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Put your hand up right now and say, include me. Thank you. I want everyone that raised your hand, I want you to stand right now, please. Stand to your feet. Every person that raised your hand, stand, 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 stand. Stand. Everyone. Everyone that raised your hand, stand, 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 stand. We're going to pray. I want you to bring your personal belongings. I want you to come. Come stand right here. Come. We're going to pray together. Come. Turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. Behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Take the whole world but give me Jesus.
take the whole world. But give me Jesus. You can take the whole world. Jesus, they're still coming. They're still coming. This is going to be a thanksgiving to remember. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask the dean to come up and stand with me just to give translation in Spanish for those that maybe do not grasp everything in English. Please, why no phones up here. So, today is the day of victory. Hoy es el día de victoria. And we're going to believe God with, for miracles for each one of you. Y vamos a creer a Dios por milagros por cada uno de ustedes. As you've heard the testimonies today. Como he escuchado los testimonios en el día de hoy. The people that testified came and stood where you stand. La gente que testificaron se pararon están ustedes en este momento. And then over the number of years the Lord has done great things for them. Y durante los años Dios ha hecho cosas grandes por ellos. So God will do great things for you. Sí que Dios va a hacer cosas grandes por usted. This is a very holy moment. Este es un momento santo. And if you mean business with God, God means business. Y si eres serio con el Señor, eres serio con usted. So I want you to just close your eyes and pray this together with me. Believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son Jesus. Lord, you said in your word if I confess si confieso with my mouth con mi boca, Jesus, Jesus is my Lord es mi Señor, and my Savior y mi Salvador, and I believe in my heart y lo creo en mi corazón, that God has raised Jesus from the dead que Jesús resucitó, Dios resucitó a Jesús de lo muerto. I will be saved. Yo seré salvo. So Father, right now, sí que Padre, ahora mismo, I confess. Yo confieso. Jesus, Jesús, is my Lord. Es mi Señor. And my Savior. Y mi Salvador. Come into my heart right now. Ven en mi corazón en este momento. Take out the stony heart. Quita el corazón de piedra. Put in a heart of flesh. Por un corazón de carne. Wash me. Lávame. Cleanse me. Limpiame. Change me. Cámbiame. Fill me. Llename. Use me. Úsame. Let me never be the same again. Déjame nunca 
ser igual otra vez. I turn my back on the world. Le doy la espalda al mundo. I turn my back on sin. Le doy la espalda al pecado. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Y te sigo a ti, Jesús. Thank you for dying for me. Gracias por morir por mí. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Gracias por derramar tu sangre por mí. Thank you that on the third day you rose from me. Gracias que te sed día resucitaste por mí. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. Y gracias que regresas por una vez más por mí. From this day on. En ese día adelante. I'll never be. Nunca seré the same again. la misma persona. I confess, Yo confieso. Jesus Christ Jesucristo has come in the flesh. He is Eres my Lord mi Señor and my Savior. Y mi Salvador. And right now, y ahora mismo, by faith, por fe, in the finished work of the cross, completo de la cruz, and by the shed blood of Jesus, y por la sangre derramada en la cruz, I'm saved. Soy salvo. I'm born again. Soy nacido nuevo. I'm on my way to heaven. Estoy en camino al cielo. Because Jesus is in my heart. Porque Jesús Now just lift your hands and just thank him. Ahora levanto su mano y dale gracias. Father, we just thank you. Padre, Put your hands upon them. Now I thank you, Lord. We break every bondage. Ahora rompemos toda We break every addiction. Toda adicción. We break everything that has held them back. Rompo todo que ha aguantado la gente atrás. From this day, it is broken. Que desde el día adelante está roto. And it will never come back again. Y nunca regresará otra vez. From this day, they'll walk in freedom. Desde el día adelante caminará en libertad. From this day, they'll walk in a newness of life. Caminará una nueva vida. From this day, desde día. Everything that's plagued them shall plague them no more. Jamás lo tocará otra vez. And I speak that peace even now. Hablo esa paz sobre usted en el día. In Jesus' name. En el nombre de Jesús. And I thank you for it. Y te doy gracias por eso. And I give you praise. Y te doy la honra y la gloria, Señor. Amen. 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 Look at me if you would please. Mírame por favor. He loves you. Él te ama. He loves you so much. Él te ama tanto. As a servant of the Most High God, como un siervo del ministro de Dios, by the power of the blood of Jesus, por el poder de la sangre de Cristo, by the power of the name of Jesus, el poder del nombre de Jesús, by the power of the Word of God, y por el poder de la palabra de Dios, by the awesome power of the Holy Spirit, por el poder maravilloso del Espíritu Santo, I'll tell every single one of you, te digo cada uno de ustedes, your sins are forgiven you. Tus pecados han sido perdonados. Right now, ahora mismo, today, hoy, you've forgiven. Están perdonados. You've forgiven. Están perdonados. You forgive. Están perdonado. That's it. Eso es todo. You forgive. Perdonado. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown or for additional resources, visit revival.com.